Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are on part two of Igeretah Kodesh, letter number 25 of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of the Adi, author of the Tanya, founder of the Chabad movement. I'm just going to quickly review what we learned last time. So the Alter Rebbe is addressing the statement from Tzavat Rivash, which he told us is literally translated the last will and testament of, Rabbi, of the Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov, but in fact is not his last will, it's just a collection of his wonderful teachings. And he says that he didn't, he didn't write this in Hebrew. It was written, he, he didn't write it. And so it was, he, sp he spoke in Yiddish and the people who wrote it down didn't exactly precisely transcribe what he had said, but he's not trying to throw out the book because the book does contain the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, the essence of his teachings, but you can't, um, you can't trust every single word there as being what the words of the Baal Shem Tov. And then the Alter Rebbe introduced a teaching of the Talmud, which says that anybody who gets angry is as if he worships idols. And as Alter Rebbe explains, if you were truly believing in God at that moment, there's no reason for anger because you would know that everything comes from God. There's no nothing else that it could have come from. And if you're getting angry, that means you're essentially saying this thing did not come from God, came from some other source, and that's why I'm angry. And then he dealt with the issue of free choice, where we say that God gives people free choice. So maybe it really is not coming from God, it's coming from this person who chooses to harm me. So this, the Alter Rebbe also said, is, um, is not an excuse, because if it wasn't God's intention, it wasn't God's will that I would be harmed, it couldn't have happened. This person wouldn't have harmed me. And still, this person is punished, both in this court, in the physical court, terrestrial court, and in the heavenly court, because even though he was ultimately doing what God wanted to happen, he didn't have to be the candidate to be the one, the agent to carry it through. God has many ways of making it happen. And his choice was to do something evil, not to do God's will. That's why he's getting punished. But the effect of it, so the act, he's dividing the act and the effect. So the act was evil and made by an evil choice. But the effect of it, the fact that I was harmed, that is in God's will and there's nothing to be angry about. So that's as far as we got. I'm sorry, we, I missed something. He brought the example of David, who was cursed by a character by the name of Shimi. And when David's uh, people said, let's go kill Shimi, he said, no, don't kill him. God is the one who told him to curse. And as Alter Rebbe says, it's God's word that's bringing everything into being, including Shimi Ben-Gera. He's being brought into being. And so it's God, without God's giving him life, he wouldn't be able to curse me. And therefore, there's no reason for you to go and kill him. I'm not, I don't take offense by it because it's basically something that God wanted to happen to me. So I'm not getting personally offended by it. And the Alter Rebbe went into greater length of what this, this concept of uh, God is constantly bringing everything into being, including, including the person who is cursing David. Um, and this is something that the Alter Rebbe talks about in Shari Yichud Ve'amuna, one of the sections of the Tanya, where he says that the letters that God spoke, let there be light, let there be a heaven, uh, let there be a heaven, those letters, those Hebrew letters, Yehi Rakia, the energy, the, the, those are receptacles of divine energy that actually remain within the heavens 
to keep them alive. And if those letters were to be taken out of the heavens, the heavens would disappear. If God would stop creating constantly the heaven and earth, it would no longer exist. And he explained the difference between the when you create something physically in this world, when you make a table, when you make a vessel, you don't have to continually create it because, because you, ca you have not created something from nothing. You just took one form and made it into another. So therefore, you don't have to, you don't have to bring it into existence constantly because it already was in existence. You're not the one who brought it into existence. Whereas the creation of heaven and earth is bringing something into existence, something from nothing. And the nature of nothing is to remain nothing. Everything goes back to its nature. So if you take nothing and you turn it into something, it's always going to be going back to nothingness. That's its natural um, that's its natural set point. And he brought the example of the splitting of the sea, that the natural set point of the sea is to flow. The natural set point of water is to flow. And so there's a wind that's causing it to split. As soon as that wind uh, stops blowing, the sea returns to its course and continues to flow again. And he says, if that's the case with water, whose nature, the nature of water is itself a creation that it flows and it doesn't stand like a like a like a wall of stone and and still in order to change that nature you need a constant force to keep it changed certainly the world which whose nature is to not exist certainly has to constantly be brought into existence i think that is where we left off last time we studied Oh, he also added that even even the domain, even the inorganic matter, right? You you see you see life in a in a in a human being, in an animal you see life, in a vegetable you see life, the vegetable world, um, the plant world, but even in a stone where you don't see any life, Dr. Rebbe, quoting from the Arizal, says there's divine life bringing that thing into existence, even if it seems to be a lifeless rock. And he cited that from the Arizal. Okay. So that's what we did last night. Now let's continue with part two. Behine, behold. Anyone have any question on what we did last time before we jump into part two? Going once, going twice. Sold to the rabbi. Behine. It is known to those who are students of Kabbalah. How do you get from Yodechein? To Kabbalah, the answer is that Chain is an acronym. It's a Rashi Tevot for Chachma Nistara or Chachmot Nistarot, hidden wisdoms, a reference to the Kabbalah. So Yod Chain are those who know the hidden wisdoms. Kitvar Hashem. So what do the hidden wisdoms tell us? Kitvar Hashem, the Word of God, which we were talking about before, is what brings existence into existence. Nikra B'Shem Shchina is called Shekhinah. We talk about the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, that is the Word of God. That's how our sages of blessed memory refer to Devar Hashem as Shekhinah. The Word of God, Shekhinah, Divine Presence, this is all one and the same. It's also called Imatata'ah, the Lower Mother, Umatronisa, the Queen in the language of the Zohar. And the reason why it's called the lower mother is because in the, in the, in the, in the, in the scheme of the Sfirot, the 10 Sfirot, Bina, which is higher up, 
It's one of the three intellectual faculties. Bina is the upper level uh, mother. It's the feminine side. And Ima Tata'a, the lower mother, is Malchus, is, um, is the Shechina and Dvar Hashem. Okay, these are all t- terminologies. You don't have to worry if you didn't catch it. It's just giving you definitions of things that you'll find in Kabbalah. Especially in the beginning of Parshas Ve'era, the Zohar draws an analogy between God's speech and a princess. So the, the, the feminine, the mother, the queen, the princess, these are all metaphors that are used for the divine presence and for the word of God. And why is the divine presence the word of God and divine presence synonymous. Why? Because the word of God dwells and vests itself in created beings to give them life. So Shechina means like a Shechuna in Hebrew. Nereo, you can correct me if I'm wrong. A Shechuna is a neighborhood. It's a place where people dwell. Shikun Chabad. Right? So Shochen. God says, I dwell within you. A physical, you know, human being can can also dwell. So when we talk about God dwelling, so to speak, that is the word shechina, divine presence. God is dwelling in a certain place, and and the word of God is what dwells and vests itself in created beings to give them life. That's why word of God and shechina are synonymous. Um, in the in the commentary. Over here, they explain to us how does the mother and the queen get involved over here. And so he explains, because the mother and the queen relate to their functions of caring for the lives of their children and subjects, respectively. So um, giving something life, the, 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 the feminine is seen as something that gives life and cares for life. In the language of the Kabbalists, it is called Malchus. This is what I referenced before. The lower mother is Malchus, is kingship. Why? Because the king rules by his word. Devar Melech Shultan. The word of a king rules. Melech Manhig. The king uh, leads and conducts and rules over his kingdom with his speech. He issues edicts. And there are other reasons that are known to those who know. If you know, you know. So... We have all these different terms that are all speaking about the same thing. The word of God, the sefira of malchus, of kingship, mother, queen, princess, uh, shechina, divine presence, are all circling around the same idea. That which brings existence into existence. That, that energy of God, that emanation of God, that light of God, that particularly is bringing existence into existence. Any questions so far? Comment? Weiter gegangen. It is known So this level of Malchus, which is the lowest of the ten Sephiros. We're getting a little Kabbalistic here, guys. Don't fall asleep. Don't lose me here. We're going to get to a point that, that is, is, is not so Kabbalistic. So let's just plug through this. Malchus Datsilos. So there's four worlds. Atzilas, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. These are not physical worlds. These are spiritual dimensions of progressively higher and higher spiritual awareness. So each of these four worlds has ten Svirot. Ten Svirot being Chachma, Bina, Das, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, kindness, and so various attributes, ten attributes with which God 
brings everything into existence. And so Malchus is the lowest of the ten sefiros. So there's Malchus of Atzilus would be the lowest of the ten within the highest world of Atzilus. And then there's also, in the next world, lower down, the world of Bria, also has the ten svirot, the ten attributes, and it also has its lowest one, which is Malchus of Bria. So Malchus, which we're talking about, kingship, the word of God, and so forth, has different manifestations, different levels, in um, where, where it's the same thing, but expressing itself differently in different worlds. Let me give you an example from our world before I lose you all. I heard this uh, mushal from uh, Rabbi Yochan, where he says, when you talk about sweetness, you use the word sweetness, yeah, something is sweet. If you tell a child something is sweet, what does he think of? He thinks of honey, thinks of sugar, he thinks of something physical. But if you tell an adult, if you tell a mother, he says, ah, my kid is so sweet. What do you mean the kid is sweet? You're going to eat the kid? But it's the same word. And we use the same word for, for different things. Why? Because their sweetness is a concept. It's an idea. It's a phenomenon that expresses itself differently in different worlds. In the world, the physical world, sweetness expresses itself in the taste of a particular type of food. How it feels on your tongue, how it feels to your palate, to your taste buds. In a more spiritual world, the world of feeling, feeling is a higher, a higher world. Than, than touch, than the, than the empirical world. The, the feeling, there's a feeling that is sweet. A child can be sweet. An idea, an idea can be sweet, can be geschmack, can be, can be tasty, a tasty idea. The word tam, which means taste, also means a reason. Because when you know the reason for something, it's intellectually tasty. So, Malchus, this idea of Malchus, what it represents, can express itself differently in different worlds. That's what he says, that there are many degrees of God's speech. Let's see what he's getting to with this. So Malchus, Atzilos, Atzilos again is the highest of the four worlds. It means, it comes from the word Eitzel, which means close, close, closest to God, or also can mean emanation. So Malchus, Atzilos is the word of God that brings into being the great souls that are at the level of Atzilus. So, to back up for a second, the word of God means to bring something into being. Now, what does that mean in the world of Atzilus? There is no physicality in the highest world of the four worlds. There's no physical world there. So what is being brought into being? What's the word of God doing there? The word of God is bringing into being these very lofty souls that are at this level of Atzilus. Interesting to bring it bring it down a little to something we can relate to. When we talk about the uh, four four children in the Haggadah, right? You have the wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the one that doesn't know how to ask. So typically, the one who doesn't know how to ask is is seen as this, you know, nebuch or nebish. He, he doesn't even know how to ask a question. It's a very sad state of affairs. One of the Hasidic interpretations, I think, with the Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, the Rebbe Rayatz, Rebbe's father-in-law, he said that one of the interpretations of one who doesn't know how to ask is somebody who doesn't have any questions. This is a person who is operating at a very high level, a very high spiritual level. This is like a soul from Atzilut, where there are no questions. Everything is clear. Everything is illuminated. 
And that's what it means. The Vat Hashem, the Word of God, Malchus, in the world of Atzilus, is bringing into creation these great souls that even when they're in this world, they operated kind of in the clouds. They're not, they're not in this world because they're, they, are, they maintain that very lofty and very sublime consciousness of the world of Atzilus. It is said of the Alter Rebbe himself, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Leadi, whose work we're reading right now, that he was a neshama, a soul of Atzilus. In other words, all of our souls come through the four worlds. We say that in our morning prayers. The, ver the second blessing that we say after we say thank God for the fact that our body is working and uh, expelling what it needs to expel and so forth. The second thing we say is God, my, uh, my God, the soul that you placed in, in, within me is pure, tahorahi. You created it, you formed it, and so forth. It's going through the four stages that the soul goes through from, from the throne of God through the world of Atsilos, through the world of Bria, Tzirasiya, and slowly it, it gets further and further away from God in its consciousness. However, there are certain souls that only spend time in the world of Atsilus, the highest world, and they come shooting through to this world, maintaining the consciousness of Atsilus. Alter Rebbe was one of them. Other great uh, souls. So that's what he means. What is Devar Hashem in the world of Atsilus? What's the word of God in the world of Atsilus? The creation of these very lofty souls. And Alter Rebbe gives an example. Here I am giving examples. Alter Rebbe himself gives an example. Kimoy Nishmas Odom the soul of Adam, the first man. Shenemar vayipach ba'ap of nishmas chayim. That God blew into his nostrils a breath of life, a soul of life. So Alter Rebbe is saying that was a soul from the level of Atzilus. Or the souls of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Vanivim and the prophets and the like. And he tells you a little bit about these souls of Atsilos. He says, These people, these individuals that he just enumerated, they were chariots to God, literally. What is a chariot? A chariot has no agenda of its own. Its entire purpose, entire function is to serve whoever is riding this chariot. So similarly, the patriarchs and the prophets, they were purely chariots to God. Where, does God. where does God need to go, so to speak? What does God need? I'm here. I'm the chariot. I'm ready, ready to do whatever needs to be done. And they are literally nullified in their very existence to Him. I wanted to just jump out, for, out here for a second. So there's this expression in Hasidus, Batel bimitziyut. Batel means nullified. Here they say abnegation, self-abnegation. You have this in halacha, when a, a little piece of, of, uh, of meat falls into a lot of milk, if there's an overwhelming amount of milk, we say that the meat becomes batel. It becomes nullified. So this is the idea of batel. This is the, the, the definition of batel. So we have in Hasidus this idea of bitul bimitziyut, something that is nullified in its very existence, as opposed to bitul hayesh. Okay, this is a this is an important one. Bitul hayesh means the nullification of a something. 
That means that there is a something and this something is nullifying himself. That's not bitobim tziyut. Like a child who wants to go running around, but the father told him you're not allowed to run around. So he's holding himself back. He's not running around because he might get punished. He might get a reward if he doesn't do it. That's bitol ayesh. It is uh, forcing yourself not to do something that you want to do. That's called bitol ayesh. Bitobim means that innately, inherently, you are in a state of nullification to God. So to take it to a relationship with God, the Benoni is in a state of bitul hayesh. The Benoni, and certainly the Russia, doesn't necess- always want to do what God what God says. Doesn't always want to do a mitzvah. Doesn't always want to refrain from an avera. But he forces himself to do so. It's called iskafia. He subdues his yesh. Yesh meaning his his ego, his his sense of self. He subdues that, and acts in accordance with God's will. The tzaddik, on the other hand, generally is at the state of bitul bimitziyut, where, like the chariot, doesn't have any agenda of its own. The tzaddik has no yesh with its own agenda. Its whole agenda is in sync with God's will. And he's saying this specifically about the souls of atzilut. Because once you get into the next world of briah, even though it's also, compared to our world, it's a pretty lofty world. It's only the second world. We're in the fourth world. Already there, there's a little bit of yesh. So there's going to be a little bit of yesh that is not completely in sync with God. Whereas the souls of Atzilut are completely in sync with God, nullified in their essence. That's this expression, betelem bimitziyut, as opposed to bitul hayesh, the nullification of a something. gives us one more from our sages that says about Moses, that the divine presence is speaking from within his throat. In other words, when he speaks, it's not Moses speaking, it's God speaking. God is speaking through him. That means that he is in a state of absolute self-nullification, that when he speaks, you're not hearing any Moses. You're hearing God. Whereas a lower level person might be conveying some divine ideas, godly ideas, but because he's a human being and he's not in a state of absolute nullification, something of his, of his ego, something of, of his self is going to come through. It's not going to be a purely the word of God coming through his throat, unlike Moses, who is purely in sync with God and everything that comes out of his mouth is the word of God. Okay, I like what they say here in the, in the, in the commentary. When Moses spoke, he wasn't relaying what God told him. Rather, the Shekhinah was speaking directly through his mouth. So it's not a, a two-step process. God speaks to Moses and Moses speaks to us. No. God is speaking. And Moses is simply a mouthpiece. He's like a microphone. The microphone doesn't, uh, doesn't impart anything and c- conveys purely what is being spoken to it. It's hard to get to the end of a sentence in Bed Alter I guess that's how things are in Atzilus. And the same is true of all the prophets. The people of divine spirit. The voice and word of the supernal one 
was vesting itself in their voices and in their speech, literally, as the Arizal says. So we're going to stop there. And what did we get from tonight's class? We got that there is this concept of the Word of God, which is synonymous with Zeshchina, and it refers to bringing something into being, bringing existence into being. And we learned that there's different levels of Malchus in each of the four worlds. There's, there's a Malchus. So today we focused on what is Malchus, which is the lowest of the ten Sfirot, kingship. Um, what is that in the highest world of Atsilos? Clearly it doesn't mean creating physical beings because there are no physical beings in the highest world. It refers to the creation of these lofty souls. Malchus of Atsilos creates the lofty souls of Atsilos, which the Rebbe defined as Adam, uh, the, the patriarchs, the prophets, and anybody who had prophecy or divine spirit, these are souls of uh, Atsilos, and, and when they, 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 are, they are purely and completely nullified to God. So we'll stop there, open it up to questions and comments. I think if Matt was here, he'd probably say he needs to eat a bagel. By uh, the Sefirot, uh, some are lower, some are higher. Malchus is at the bottom, Kesser is at the top. What's the difference between a, one that's low and one that's high? I've never understood this. Does that imply, I mean, what does that imply? Lower, higher, in the middle, some are next to each other, some are above others. So you're talking about this 10 Sefirot, right? So uh, let's see if I can find one real quick. Pull it up on the screen. So everybody can see it. So the top is Kese, which means crown, and the bottom is Malchus, which is king or kingdom. But what does that mean? Like, why is one on the top and one on the bottom? And is one better than the other or more? You know, I never understood. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Okay, we got Wikipedia. Okay, so this is a Google Tensfirot images. So here from Wikipedia, you can see that, Keter. Keter is the crown. That's kind of outside of the whole story in the Chabad scheme. Keter is a crown. It's the, it's the uh, subconscious. It's not one of the Tensfirot in the Chabad uh, counting. So you have Chochmah and Bina here at the top. Let's start with that. This is the intellect. Chochmah, Bina, Das, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. So this all exists within our, uh, within the, the, human, the human condition, the human uh, soul. And God projects himself, so to speak, through this system. So Chochmah, Bina, Das are the highest, to get to your question, Jonathan, in that just like in the human being, the intellect is a higher uh, form or a higher uh, phenomenon within us than our emotions. Emotions would be next. And then there's the more practical emotions, the emotions that are relating more directly to our actions. So that's what we mean by higher and lower, is that they're becoming less and less abstract. Abstract being something higher, and physicality being the lowest. So again, you have the, the intellect, and the reason that there's right, left, and center is because the, everything on the right is of a certain nature. Everything on the left is of a certain nature. And everything in the middle 
is an amalgamation of the two things on top of it. So Das is an amalgamation of Chochmah and Bina, Xveris is Chesed and Gur, and so forth. So Chochmah on the right side is associated with Chesed, which is kindness, Netzach, perseverance, eternity. Bina, which is, um, you know, the fleshing out, the fleshing out of the spark of wisdom, the kernel of wisdom. Chochmah is a kernel of wisdom. It's a flash of creativity. It's a lightning, like a lightning bolt is fleshed out in Bina. That's the left side. Right? So Bina is not creative. Bina takes the creativity, or in the case of, uh, of a pregnancy, where the woman is, represents Bina. The womb. The womb represents Bina. Takes from the man and the the uh, the fetus is developed in in bina das is is connection is connection is, is taking these the 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 idea and connecting it as the bridge to the emotion so when you really connect to an idea it gives birth to an emotion that's the das bina by itself doesn't doesn't bear children doesn't bear emotions it remains abstract das is what brings it to the next level. Chesed, which is kindness. Gevura is uh, strength. Right? So again, you see Chochmah Bina, creativity and kindness is giving. Um, Gevura is restraint. So similar to Bina, you have you got these creative ideas, but you got to flesh it out. You got to do something with it. You got to put it, you have to constrict it in order for it to, 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 be, to be useful. That's Gevura. Gevura is strength. It's judgment. Chesed is giving. It's openness. It's like creativity. And so on with the rest. When you get to the bottom, you get to Malchus. This is kingship. And kingship, we, that's is what, this is what we were talking about today. Malchus. Malchus is where creation, when in the case of God, Malchus is what brings, is, is, the, is the power, the energy that's actually creating something. And as we learned today, depending on what world you're in, that is what will be being created and that is Malchus. So Malchus is the lowest level. Malchus receives from all that is above it in order to achieve what it achieves. So thank you so much for that question. If you have more questions, let's save it for next time because we're out of time. And um, this has been quite Kabbalistic. I hope you didn't get overwhelmed by it. I can't ask one question here. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We'll make an exception. <laughs> All right. So, so, so um, is it isn't the development of this framework to explain the kind of uh, the, 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 the 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 experience that you kind of brought in the beginning about getting angry at someone spilling yogurt on your jacket, right? So, is it is it is he trying to make sense of this using this kind of framework to see how Asada kind of reacts to something like that and not really not react with anger? Well, so this. Is this a theory? I mean, or is he, is this framework being used to explain Asadik's uh, 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 reaction? Not re- I don't think so. I think um, what where he's driving with and how it fits into this chapter is really what's, what this debate with the Mitnagdim was. Is God really present in the physical world in a, uh, you know, a, a wicked act? Right, because that's that's where the meditation of I'm not getting angry, right. even though somebody threw something at me, because I see that God was present there, and the mit nagdim 
didn't like this idea. They that they, they didn't like a God who was present in a, in, a, in a rock. I mean, what kind of God is present in a rock? My God is transcends rocks, and right. and yogurt throwing individuals. So that's what he's getting to. That he's saying he's talking about Shechina because Shechina means the divine presence that is bring, bringing something into being, and is present. Uh, within it, so that's what he's getting to with with this whole discussion of Shechina and Malchus. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful get together. I appreciate your being here, and I look forward to doing it again very soon. Thank you, Laila Tov. Thank you.